This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the line, it is a performance painter, David Garibaldi. He is, of course, opening up for Kiss on their End of the Road tour. And this is, well, the end of the road for me and uh, Kiss. On uh, August 6, 1979, I saw my first ever Kiss show at the Montreal Forum, uh, the Dynasty Tour. It was absolutely spectacular. And the reason I'm talking to you today is because of that show. It awakened such a passion for uh, Kiss and music and the scene that it, it has led me to what I'm doing now. It it really was a life affirming moment. It was affirming. It was. And uh, on August 16th, 2019, almost, almost 40 years to the day, I will be seeing my last Kiss show ever. Uh, not because I want to. Uh, it is uh, being uh, forced upon me. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see Kiss in Montreal in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, but that is not what the band has decided, and I'm I'm fine with that. But uh, it's been a good ride. 40 years of a Kiss. Anyway, on um, on the show later this week, I am going to put together a special episode where I am going to run the first ever interview I did with Gene Simmons, which happens to be the first ever interview I ever did from June 9th, 1980. Uh, my mom and I went down to Ocoin Management and we interviewed Gene for the Kiss Unmasked album. And Gene was unmasked during the interview. And on that episode, I'm also going to run the last ever interview I did with Gene, which was in 2017. So, you know, this week we are seeing the last Kiss show ever, and it's like 40 years to the day from the first Kiss show ever. And so I'm going to give you an episode with my first ever uh, Gene interview and my last ever Gene interview, or at least last when I put it up. May hopefully, maybe in the next month or two or three, may maybe I'll get another Gene interview, and that'll be the last. But uh, I will post that later this week, so you will get to hear the, the everything. A 20-minute tape from uh, 1980, and then uh, you'll get to hear Gene. Um, and me, when I was 11. Uh, other than that, uh, I have been traveling. If you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you have seen that I've been going up and down the uh, East Coast uh, from uh, Syracuse to Guilford, New Hampshire, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, seeing shows by Buck Cherry, Heavy Montreal, Oceaga, Alice Cooper, Brian Adams, Billy Idol, uh, Foreigners coming up, and, and just more, and... Uh, that run of shows for uh, the last eight weeks is coming to uh, to an end. Uh, I will see August 21st, Foreigner. This is 2019, should you be listening to this in some other year. Um, uh, in Watertown, New York. And then um, Melissa Etheridge, I was invited out to see that in Trois-Rivières, Quebec on August 23rd. And uh, as of uh, this recording, those are the last two shows I have for August. And... The last two shows I have for the foreseeable future. There's nothing really announced for September or October yet. That's that's calling my name. But, uh, of course, that things like that change. But, uh, anyway, 
Uh, today, let us get on to our uh, for oh, and, and by the way, the the Alice Cooper show I just saw in uh, Guilford, New Hampshire, with um, Hailstorm was uh, absolutely terrific. I had a chance to say hello to uh, Tommy and Nita and 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 Glenn and Chuck and and the entire band. Uh, didn't get a chance to say hello to Alice, though he did walk by a couple of times, but he was uh, busy, so I didn't want to bother him. Uh, terrific. Uh, if you haven't seen the Alice Cooper uh, 2019 tour, I certainly recommend that you do. The American, the North American tour is coming to an end probably by the time you hear this, but then they are off to Europe, and I think they're running to like December 1st or something, so if you're an international listener, you certainly have a chance, or a European listener, you certainly have a chance to check them out tonight. And of course, you know, listen, I, I do recommend. And and by the way, how great is it that in 2019, the last show that I saw was Alice Cooper, and the next show that I'm going to see is Kiss. I mean, talk about bands that have had longevity and boy, am I glad that I was a fan of those bands. You know, in high school, folks were, and I went through high school in the 80s, they, they, they were like, oh, you're listening to Kiss and Alice Cooper and Cheap Trick, they're old school, they're bullshit, they're nonsense, whoa, how dare you, you know, check out this new band, The Knack, check out this new band, Flock of Seagulls, check out this new band, you know, whatever. Well, hey, I win. I'm still enjoying my music 40-some years later. You're not. Or you're certainly not seeing them live, whatever the configuration. I don't care if we're talking original members. Not a, I have a configuration that I can go see on a stage and they deliver the song and I can jump up and down and be all thrilled with. You don't. So, meh. Stupid high school kids. <laughs> oh, the lament. Teenage lament. Anyway, uh, without further ado, here is performance artist David... Garibaldi. We are speaking with uh, performance painter David Garibaldi. He is, of course, on tour supporting KISS. And uh, this time out, they are supporting the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So first, uh, David, as we say in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. And so, you know what? Before I get into the history of David and how you came about to do all this painting and opening for KISS, let's talk about these dates. Um... They started August 6th. They run all the way through September 20th. And yeah. on this set of, or on this run, uh, the stuff that you are painting uh, on stage is somehow connected into the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So if you could explain that for the fans and how do they end up getting your painting, making a donation, and how do we end up supporting Make-A-Wish, which is obviously very important. Yeah. Yes, it's very important. So I ended up on tour because KISS was looking for something unique and different uh, that could also help raise money for charity, which was very important to the band. And so with my history of raising money for people and organizations like Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, you know, it was a perfect fit. So the last painting, I do a three-painting, three 30-minute set each night on stage. The last one is a KISS-inspired, but also whatever city were inspired by them as well. And as soon as I'm done, uh, the, uh, there's some info that comes up on the screen and prizio.com forward slash kiss is where you can go ahead and bid any amount. So any amount that you bid and donate enters you to win. 
and you get a, a text shortly after that if you're the winner, maybe only 15 minutes after the uh, performance is done uh, to see if you won. And so it's that, that's what I love about all of this is that you don't need to be, you know, bidding, you know, 15 plus thousand dollars is you can bid $20, this amount, whatever you donate uh, will go and benefit Make-A-Wish Foundation. And those of you not familiar with Make-A-Wish Foundation, you know, uh, mostly kids or people who are terminally ill, uh, they, you know, if you can imagine, you know, one last uh, thing you want to do uh, when you're living your last days and you feel like it. And so Make-A-Wish makes that possible through uh, our donations and through uh, the generosity of a lot of people. Yeah, and just uh, so folks can uh, really get in there, it's a Prizio, P-R-I-Z-E-O.com, Prizio or Prizio.com. So, um, so okay, let's we'll, and we'll 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 refer back to Make a Wish in, in a bit as well. But yeah, talk to me about getting this uh, this opening slot for Kiss because you you've done Blue Man Group in the past, you've done Snoop uh-huh. Dogg in the past. Um, how did you sort of get into that and combine this sort of rock and roll and, and painting thing? Because I know when the Kiss tour went on sale, people went, "Oh, let's." Let's put on Cheap Trick or let's get a, a great new band like the Struts or let's get – and they saw David Garibaldi and they went, oh, all right. And then most of us, we went to shows and we saw you and we went, oh, oh, that was really yeah. good. So talk to me about sort of getting the gig but then overcoming that initial of response that people went, oh – and then they see it and they go, oh, you know what I mean? Like it, it, they change. Yeah. So, so winning over the crowd and, and getting the gig at first. Yeah. Well, I'll start this with a quote that I just read the other day. To become an overnight success, it takes about 10 years of hard work. And that's really what led up to that moment in, let's just say, January earlier this year. We got a call from uh, McGee, Doc McGee, uh, famously you know, managing the band uh, and other bands. And he called uh, someone in his office mentioned, hey, you should check out this David Garibaldi guy because not only is he entertaining, but he can he can help you raise some really good money. So uh, Doc called just to kind of check out my agent, see who we were. He had never heard of us. And uh, he thought it sounded interesting enough to present to the band. And uh, he presented it. And I later talked to Gene about this and he said, you know, I don't, I really didn't know what to expect, but, um, you know, Paul was behind it and everyone else was, was excited about it. So they said, well, let's just try it out and see how it goes. So in January, I had about two weeks notice to do about, we were going to do 10 shows with the band originally. That was it. Just kind of a West coast run. And, you know, when the announcement came out, I, I was like thinking, okay, well, man, I wonder if, uh, kids fans would be excited about this. And most of them weren't, you know, they didn't, they didn't know who I was. They, and I don't blame them. You know, it's very, very different to have an act like myself on a legendary uh, rock tour like this. So, um, but I, I also know this too, from the past 16 years of doing this professionally is I'm used to going into a room, performing in rooms of thousands of people that don't know me and entertaining them and hopefully turn them into a a believer of what I do. So I was just going to lean on that confidence of how we've always grown, how we've always connected with people through this music and color. So I would say this, as soon as we started performing within the week or two, we would still get 
messages or comments from people say on the East coast who, who are like, I hope he's not at our show. You know, I, and people would message me and say, I hope you get kicked off the tour. Like really, really awful things and crazy things. But I knew that you just hadn't seen it yet. But people who had seen the show, they would see those comments and I wouldn't need to say anything. They would just go in and say, Hey, you have to see this. Like you, you don't know what you're talking about. And I just always leave it to that. You know, you watch it and let me know what you think about it afterwards. Otherwise, um, you know, you may be missing out on something that you will probably never experience again. Well, so I would, and I'll end with this and say that um, all of the Kiss fans around the world, because we've done a North America run already, <clears throat> excuse me, we just got back from Europe and they have all been incredible. So thank you uh, to the Kiss Army. Yeah, you know what? Kiss fans are, are generally very accepting. Once they get over the initial shock, they 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 go, oh, all right. Um, talk to me a little bit about the uh, Paul Stanley. He, of course, is an artiste himself. Do do you do you get a sense of we have to compare notes, or he's watching you, or he's learning from you, or you're learning from him? How how does sort of the the two painters conduct themselves? You know what I mean? Well, I would say this. I think. If Paul ever tried to do what I did, I think he would do very well because <laughs> he's very active and he's an amazing artist. So uh, we have definitely talked about art. He, you know, most of you that don't know, he's, an, uh, I would say, a pop artist, painter. You know, he paints figurative uh, artwork all inspired by uh, music like I do. And kind of like a, a mix between, you know, Peter Max and Andy Warhol, but I, but way better. Uh you know, we just, we talked a little bit about art and the little bit of time that we have, you can tell how serious he is about it. You know, he's not, he's definitely not leaning on just the fact of who he is, but what he enjoys doing. And he's been doing it. I think he's been painting longer than I have, to be honest. I, I didn't start painting professionally until I was uh, 16, even though, I'm sorry, until 16 years ago, even though I've been an artist my whole life, but he's, I think he started painting maybe uh, 18 years ago. So he's got a little bit of a head start on me. A little bit of a head start. So how do yeah. you how do you come up with this this technique? I mean, we we know that there was a famous painter before you called it Danny Dent, who yes. would do John Lennon, would do Martin Luther King portraits. Um, yes. I I don't want to say more politically motivated po portraits, but certainly uh, more co celebre kind of celebrities. Did you study yeah. from him, and and is that sort of where you were inspired, or did you have your own path where you just said, "Hey, you know what? Just sort of sitting in a studio painting quietly is kind of boring. Let me let me rock this up a bit." Yeah, well, I had a collision of of my passions that led to coming across Denny Dent. So growing up, I was always an artist. I was always advanced at creating. Uh, I was taking classes outside of school to make sure I was still growing, and then uh, I also played music growing up. And I got into dance in high school. So that's what helped me on stage. And these are all done separately. At, at any given time, I thought I was either going to be a musician in the symphony, uh, a gallery artist, or a backup dancer for Justin Timberlake. You know, I just, there was these, these separate things. And eventually, you know, because I, I didn't do too well in high school, I didn't go to college uh, or university. So two years after that, I came across Denny Dent's work and a friend of mine explained how he did it, how it's this rock and roll show, but he's a painter and he's not on the side, but he's the main act. 
And I just was floored by it. Didn't see any video, didn't see any photos. I just saw one painting and an explanation led me to want to teach myself how to do this. So at the time I was living with my dad because uh, I had been evicted out of my apartment. And so I w- went to the garage and just tried it with no video reference. I just gave it a try. And eventually as time went on, I would start practicing and doing shows. I would find more video online of, of Denny Dent, rest in peace. Uh, he passed away shortly after I started painting, but you know, Denny Dent started something when he had no reference of a, any, anything to do this. So he was a true vanguard of this, this art genre, just like there's impressionism, uh, you know, surrealism. I really believe that performance painting is something that he really truly pioneered. What I hope to do is to innovate it, to take it to the next level as computers were invented, you know, long ago, Mac uh, and, and Apple came around and Steve Jobs and, and innovated uh, you know, the, the whole computing experience. And so that's what I hope to do with performance painting and take it to the next level, like taking it on tours like this with KISS uh, and bring it to larger larger audiences. Yeah, and for those who don't know, uh, uh, Denny passed away in 2004 from a, from a heart attack. But uh, let me ask you this, and I know this is a completely unfair question, but how do you sort of get that image on the canvas meaning do you before the show sketch it out on a paper and say okay now i just got to sort of visualize it and throw it up on the or is it completely inspiration is it completely random and it just sort of works out and i know it's hard for an artist to explain how they get their art done but how do you get your art done yeah it's a mixture of all that so there's definitely a plan in place i know exactly what i'm going to create uh, you know, before the show. And and I, I would say that there's about a two to three hours before the show where I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think about, you know, where we are, the city. Uh, for example, when we were in doing the Canadian shows, I, you know, I was looking up Gord Downey and Getty Lee. And I'm like, you know, I think this might connect with the audience. And so that's where I start. If I already have the images, I just start studying them. If I don't, then I start researching what's the best image to portray this person. And then the other part, the the non-art part, is I mix all the music for the show. So if you come to the show, you've heard everything. I'm, you know, on my computer before the show, mixing everything, setting it all up. So that takes quite a bit of work. But I would say the actual visual part, performance, I know what I want to achieve on the canvas. And so I study the image. I've painted and practiced for years, but what happens in the moment is still, you know, yes, I'm supposed to go. I go, I know I'm going to go through this process of colors where I'm going to add shadows and lights and all this. I still don't know while I'm doing it, what I'm going to do next. I really just start in this flow with an idea still of how I want to end. But um, a lot of it, I, I lean on just creating and drawing for years and then the movements, how I move on stage, um, you know, that coming from rehearsal and practice for, for years as well. So it's just a mixture of a lot of things. But just like, uh, you know, a band would put together a set list before a show, sometimes, you know, they would stop, you know, in between songs and, and add something. And that's kind of what I do is start with a plan and go with the flow. 
Well, listen, it, it works out. Now, I'm going to bring it back to Kiss for a second, and I'm going to read from the press release. It says, Garibaldi is mm-hmm. opening for Kiss by painting a piece of history depicting the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer's special moments during their final run. So on these shows, the ones that we're going to see in Montreal and people are going to see all the way through September 20th, what exactly are these pieces of history and and is that something that you've sort of gone through their catalog and figured out or have they told you, hey, we want, you know, Kiss Dynasty 1979, Madison Square Garden, figure it. Uh, so what are people going to see and, and what are these moments of history? Yes. So the first two paintings that I do are of other rock icons uh, in a, in that similar genre. So those are just for me to to get the audience acclimated, warmed up and entertained. The last one of Kiss I, I would say that it's more of a commemorative to that city. So, uh, for example, when we were in New York City, the last painting included the Statue of Liberty with uh, the Kiss portraits incorporated with it. Uh, when we were in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, I included the, this Kentucky Derby-style uh, uh, horse that was racing, uh, again, with the Kiss portraits sort of worked in there. Um, and every city, you know, has something special that I try to pull from it. So it's more so commemorating this history of that being the last time they perform in that city. So you'll never, none of the, every single painting is completely unique to the city that I'm performing in. It may have some similarities to another city, but I'll still find a way to tie in. Uh, like we were in Charleston last night. And, uh, you know, as we, as we go on, I'll just try to find something unique. So uh, I think it would be cool to, to paint some other moments. But again, I, we're in the room with the people from that city, and that's who we want to connect with. And that's really ultimately who is going to be the generous donors, uh, donating any amount to the Make-A-Wish Foundation for that painting. And I, and I'll say while you're in Montreal, you just you just need to fit in the Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon logo. It'll be perfect. <laughs> just, just I'm work, on it. Work I'm that in it. there. Uh, but all right, let, yeah. let me get quickly to the power of of media because I first got to know you, uh, I, you know, figuratively through America's Got Talent. Uh, talk to me about how that changed your life, or did it change your life? Because before that. There was no David Garibaldi in my, you know, sphere of experience. And then I saw that. And again, when you came out on stage and they said, oh, we have a painter, I went, oh, God, God, can we just fast forward? And then I watched and I went, oh, that guy's going to win. He's good. Yeah. Um, so talk to me yeah. about that power uh, uh, and how that changed your life, if it did. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a very competitive person as much as I, I, I am an artist through and through first. I love to create. But. I also have a competitive nature where I want to do the best and be the best. And that, but that requires a lot of work. So for eight years leading up to America's Got Talent, I was uh, traveling the world, doing corporate events, making great money. Like I was on the outside, still appearing successful. Um, But I was comfortable. And when the opportunity for America's Got Talent came around, uh, we actually, they, the producers called us and asked us if we wanted to audition. Everyone auditions. That is the truth through and through. And I said, um, yeah, sure. All I need is six minutes to perform. And they they said, well, you get 90 seconds like everyone else. And now that's a minute and a half. And 
what I do in five minutes is already fast or even three, but to cut that down to a minute and a half and still be entertaining, finish on time. And it's a great portrait. That was the most extreme challenge I've ever had in my life. So not only am I, you know, putting this out there for judgment to the world, but I'm also challenging myself uh, with these 90 second paintings like I've never done before. And yeah, I mean, I think that no one really knew what to expect from me or if I could even pull it off. To be honest, I didn't know if I could pull it off or not, but I was going to try and I was going to fail in front of everyone if I had to. But that's me again, being competitive and wanting to grow. And uh, I, I spent months on the first audition to, to get ready for that. And I could tell you a thousand ways how to not to do a 90 second painting. But eventually we got to the day of the audition and, and I say, we, I had, uh, I brought on these four dancers with me and that's part of this process. I couldn't just be a painter anymore. I had to be a leader. I had to, to be a choreographer, I had to, to teach them what to do at certain parts and, and bring it all together. So we did the performance and we got a standing ovation from the judges, from the audience. And I think, it was just complete shock to everyone that I was painting and we moved them emotionally. We moved them to their feet, uh, which was incredible because I had been experiencing this for so long. And now we get to really, truly introduce it to the world on this, uh, this stage that, you know, that, uh, that media can carry a lot further than, uh, than I could have doing the shows before. And then, and then I would say this, then that we, we did this every round, uh, we got to the quarterfinals and eventually the finals and we came in fourth place, but it still was incredible to take art that far. And if you ever watched the final, the final thing I said on stage was I thanked Denny Dent because if it wasn't for him starting at that time and inspiring my journey, I would not have made it, uh, to the stage. And so that was a really special moment to uh, truly bring art to the masses. It, it really was. And I, yeah. And then one more thing, sorry, it did change my life. Uh, I was, again, I was very blessed with a career before, but it spurred on a whole nother life of my career after that as well. I can imagine. Um, just real quick here, uh, and I'm going to hark back to 2008 uh, in, in Montreal and Quebec City, particularly September 25th, 26th, Blue Man Group come to the Bell Centre and then they go up to Quebec and you're opening. Um, talk to me a little bit about the difference opening for them and opening for Kiss, because here you go uh, through 2008. You and I don't do an interview. There's not a lot of thing. You're sort of a footnote in the, hey, by the way, Blue Man Group was here yesterday and David Garibaldi opened. Uh, talk to me about how it changes when you're opening for Kiss because now it's you're part of the show. You're, you're almost the main attraction, just like Kiss is, whereas with Blue Man Group, it was sort of, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but it was, it was an afterthought, if that's a polite way of saying it. So... Talk to me about the difference yeah. of opening for, and I, please, I, I don't mean any of this disrespectfully, but. Oh, but, no, no worries. But, but how, how does opening for Kiss also bring it to that next level for you? Just like America's Got Talent, opening for Blue Man Group is nice, but opening for Kiss is awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the Blue Man Group thing. Uh, that was, for them to even ask me to do that was an incredible opportunity. So I, I, I see everything, big or small 
uh, especially from acts like that, because they are an iconic act still. Uh, Boomerang Group is, is a pop culture phenomenon, and it was still an honor to, to tour with them through Canada, I think 24 shows coast to coast. But that gave me experience that, um, you know, to, to be familiar with the touring life, uh, the schedule. And honestly, when I was doing it, I loved it. Uh, I got familiar with how things work backstage, um, how we can incorporate with this very small space that we had in front of their, their huge kabuki drop. Um, but also learning what connects with people. Uh, I, m- I remember, you know, the way technology worked at that time, because uh, it was 2008, we had to put everything on like a, like a DVD drive so that they could put the music and the video out to the audience. And so th- we couldn't have any, like, we couldn't use programs like Ableton Live or Pro Tools, nothing like that, which I, I wish that was available at the time. But um, that original experience got me ready for something like KISS. Now, the, the difference between the two is there is a there's an energy around KISS that is, you know, it's almost like the, the re, I think the reason why they appreciate their fans so much because they because they truly believe that the fans made them, you know, their belief and loyalty is why 40 plus years later, they're still showing up and buying tickets and merch and you name it and screaming and you know, I look at the audience and they're, they're dressed up like them and painting their face. And you don't really see that at most concerts and definitely not at, at a Blue Man Group show. The, the Blue Man Group shows people are coming to watch a theatrical performance. Um, at KISS shows, people are coming to either relive one of the greatest moments in their life or they want to have one of the greatest nights of their life. And that's that energy that comes with uh, KISS. It's also, I think, you know, doing interviews like this where, you know, people were actually intrigued that uh, the Support Act is not a normal band or, um, you know, why would this band with all this energy and all this buildup for the last tour do something like this? And that's who KISS is. They truly are um, disruptors in, in music, disruptors in entertainment, and now... I I would hope that we can make history and become disruptors in touring as well. So there's just a lot of uh, a disruptive energy around KISS. And I I mean that in all the best ways. Well, of course. And uh, for folks that want to check out uh, David, GaribaldiArts.com. Head over to GaribaldiArts.com. You have managed to raise so far over $5 million for charities through your work, which is uh, impressive. And so I'll, I'll... I'll start wrapping up with this, but where do we go next? And do you want to get on other rock and roll tours? Do you want to get some painters together? And I don't mean that facetiously and put together sort of a rock and roll painter tour, which I think could be quite exciting. What's, what's sort of after kiss for you? Yeah. Well, before we started this tour, we were actually going to embark on, on my own solo tour, uh, called art life tour. And it's a, it's a mixture of what you see on stage at the KISS shows, but also so much more uh, where there's, you know, I do up to, I think, eight paintings in about an hour and a half set, like a headline show. And there's a story that ties it all between, but it's like this theatrical concert experience. And so I, I, what we'll continue to do is probably next year uh, head out on, a, on another tour like that. 
And if other opportunities present themselves with the right band uh, or the right act, we'll definitely go out and support those acts. But we also want to keep growing as well. And it's not to say, you know, that to be with a bigger band that's growing beyond Kiss, you know, we have so much, only so much time and so much to present to, to the audience in 30 minutes. And there's so much more that I have to present and that I want to do that when I say uh, growing, as in if the band, you know, the next band that we work with or the next opportunity, I just want to be able to give the audience more of what they deserve and they deserve to be uh, entertained. And so, you know, as, as that, that's, that's all I'm going to take on from there, from there on is, uh, you know, just finding more ways that we can do that. And also what you suggested about, uh, you know, getting other artists together for a larger show, you just have to kind of keep following the journey. Uh, we've always had to, to make our way. We've always had to, to create opportunities for ourselves doing an act like myself um, because a lot of people didn't believe that uh, an art act like myself could actually tour. And now we've proven every night. And so what I hope is that we can just keep, uh, growing and you know, you'll have to keep following me on social media at Garibaldi arts and also my vlogs on YouTube to see where we go next after this kiss tour. Yeah, I look forward to it. And, and, and you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And I, and I look forward Likewise. to seeing you for the third time, actually, uh, on uh, yeah. August 16th at the uh, Bell Center. And, uh, yeah, just an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I love the questions, and I uh, appreciate you calling. Thanks. Thank you, David. And, uh, great. Hold on let me a second. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk. 